0: Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Last week we started um, a new series of talks uh, that were on being a people of God. Because as a church, corporately, that is what we are called to be. And as Gateway Church here in Doncaster, we are called to be a part of God's people here in Armthorpe, reflecting God's image and his glory to the people of Doncaster. And as we looked at that last week, being... The people of God brings with it some responsibilities. We are called to be a people who are involved in the restoration of things. Because as the nations are gathered back to him and as the kingdom is ushered in, the church has a part to play in that. And over the next few weeks, as we lead up to the summer, we're going to continue on this theme and look more specifically at what it means to be that people. Today we're going to look at the first of these qualities. And it also starts to introduce some of the others that we're going to look at as well. Because we're going to look at how being a people of God means that we are a people of power. Now what's interesting is if you search the Bible for the phrase people of power, you won't find it. But it's a theme that runs right through the Bible from the earliest days of Moses' ministry because you see him demonstrate, you see God demonstrate his power through men in order that his purposes might be fulfilled. For example, we read when Moses goes and has his encounter with Pharaoh. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. You see, God has no problem at all in displaying his power through men in order to achieve his will. Here he was showing his power through Moses and Aaron in order to see the children of Israel set free. And as you follow through the Bible, you see that time and time again. And the great news is, there is no limit to God's power. Because he spoke the universe into being. He sustains it on a daily basis. He holds it in balance. It is him who speaks life into all of creation. There is nothing that he can't do. When the angel met with Mary and told her, that her cousin Elizabeth was expecting a baby. He said, for nothing is impossible with God. Paul wrote the same to the Philippian church. In fact, he said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we know that that is true and that that is necessary. And as we read the New Testament, we're encouraged by those sorts of verses. I mean, I don't know about you, but particularly when we're struggling with one of life's issues, we encourage ourselves with those sorts of passages. The ones that say things like, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. But perhaps we're sometimes tempted to take those passages out of their context and to apply them to other situations. We're encouraged when we read that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven that's what we need after all to prevail to conquer and isn't that what God wants for us wouldn't it be great to know that we can live a powerful life well the good news is we can but it requires us to live a powerful lifestyle We need to be taking the power that God offers us and applying it to our lives and letting it take effect. And that isn't as easy as it sounds. It takes effort. It requires energy. It needs openness and humility and perseverance and faith. Now I'm sure we all know that one of the keys in this area has to be prayer. Power comes from praying. The scripture is full of examples. But most telling is probably the link between the times that Jesus went off on his own to pray and be with the Father and the miracles that inevitably followed. Elizabeth Elliot summed it up well. She wrote... Prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen. And we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. Prayer is the heart of our relationship with God. The two-way conversation that changes Christianity from being dead religion into being a vibrant relationship. It's the dialogue that enables us to bring our needs and our hopes and our dreams to our loving Father. But also where we can listen to his instruction, his discipline, his advice and his loving care. For anyone who wants a life filled with power, Prayer has to be the starting point. What am I talking about? Do I mean that we need to be getting up two hours earlier so we can spend that time on our knees before walking the dog? No. I mean a lifestyle. Where we converse with our Father during the day as naturally as we would with a friend or a partner. Bringing to him each challenge we face as we come against it. Thanking him and praising him for each blessing and answer that we recognize as we go through the day. Reminding him of our love and our gratitude for everything he has done for us. And then, just like we would with any of our friends, finding the time to sit down with him sometime in the day and just talk and listen to what he has to say. Prayer is meant to be part of our lifestyle. We're called to be a people of prayer and that's one of the subjects that someone else will be following up with later. The most dramatic miracles in the Bible follow people turning to God and praying. And then God loves to hear our praise. You know, when Israel went into battle, they sent the worshippers out in front. Now, contrary to what a lot of people think, that wasn't because the worship group was dispensable. Neither was it psychological warfare. Although I'm sure that hearing the noise approaching, worshipping their God exuberantly as they marched into battle would have put fear into anyone's heart. But it was about putting God at the forefront. And just like prayer, we are called to be a people of worshippers. I've often quoted from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's worship. Oswald Chambers writes, worshipping God is the great central of fitness. If you have not been worshipping... When you get to work, you will not only be useless yourself, but a tremendous hindrance to those who are associated with you. Can you imagine it? But because you're having one of those days at work when nothing is going right, that you get sent home to worship because you're hindering everybody else. But it's true. Just like living a life of prayer, we need to be living out a life of worship. Paul wrote to the Roman Church, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living It's not one-off. It's continuous. It goes on day after day after day, just as life does itself. We sacrifice ourselves in praise and worship, which is holy and acceptable to God. The power to live our lives for God comes from our worship. But as well as living a life of praise and prayer, We need to live our lives out in faith to really see God work through us in power. If you look at that list of men who are named in Hebrews 11, they are men who accomplished so much. And they saw the power of God in their lives. And the thing that they had in common, that they were being commended for, was faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice by faith Enoch was taken up so that he shouldn't see death by faith Noah constructed an ark an ark saving his household by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go by faith Sarah conceived by faith Abraham offered up Isaac By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed his sons. By faith, Joseph said, I want my bones to be buried in the promised land. By faith, when Moses was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents. When he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he took the people across the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho were thrown down. And then it says... I haven't got time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who equally through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched power of fire, escaped the sword, and were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war and put foreign enemies to flight. Now isn't that power? Isn't that power? Sounds to me like people walking in God's power. So how do we get it? In the Old Testament, the anointing of God with his spirit came on people for a particular time, for a particular purpose, or for a particular season we live in a new age the answer for us is permanent in Acts 2 we read when the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place when suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We know what happened then. They burst out of that place. So much so that it drew a crowd. And these guys said, are they drunk? And they preached to the crowd and saw hundreds and hundreds saved. God's power fell on that group of believers and they were transformed. They changed in that instant from an indecisive bunch gathering together wondering what was going to happen next to powerful men and women. That is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And Joel had foretold it centuries before. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapour and smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what he was saying is, God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit is for everyone. Man and female. No longer was there to be segregation about that. Young and old. Master and slave. It didn't matter what your social standing, your economic position is, what your race is, your age or your gender. God's Holy Spirit is for you. And if you want real power in your life, that is the key. Open your life up to the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk with him during the day. Commit your purposes to him and to following his ways. You know, I've sometimes heard people say, ah, but I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in about 1985. My question would be, then how on earth have you been living ever since? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is meant to be a continuous action, not a one-off event. I want to ask you, Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to fill your life today? This morning? If not, why not? Why live your life in your own strength when you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you living your life in that power? that's what we're called to be a people of power we hope you enjoyed this podcast don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk